This message comes to you from BCC, a missional, vibrant and life-bringing church in the heart of our community. For more information, go to bccweb.com. It's exciting. We're starting a new series, uh, just a short series for the Christmas period. It's called Believe. Uh, Believe is one of those, um, well, we feel that this title is a good one because it allows us to draw people's attentions to the importance of what we believe in and how we believe in what we believe in. Just before we start, I just wanted to read something to you, um, an account, uh, something to do with memory. So um, I've got to read it because I won't remember what's written down. Anyway, uh, two elderly couples were enjoying friendly conversation when one of the men asked the other, Fred, how was the memory clinic you went to last month? Outstanding, Fred replied. They taught us all the latest uh, psychological techniques, visualization, association. It made a huge difference for me. That's great. What was the name of the clinic? Fred went blank. He thought and thought, but couldn't remember. Then a smile broke across his face and he asked, what do you call that red flower with the long stem and thorns? Oh, you mean a rose? Yes, that's it. He turned to his wife. Rose, what was the name of that clinic? (laughs) So, (laughs) anyway, a bit of fun. Um to break the ice on the second service. Uh, it's, it's great. Hopefully there'll be enough in this service for you to remember, remember what we're talking about. But this is really an introduction to this short series. Um, those of us who communicate will be all taking slots over the next four weeks. Um, but we're really excited. It was a tremendous time with the, with the partners yesterday. As I say, a bunch of new partners want to become partners, which is a tremendous thing. Uh, very excited. By the way, do you like the stage? Yeah. It's a, a complete facelift, and in fact, it's more than a facelift. We've got uh, high-def technology, um, HD technology plumbed into the system now. It means that uh, for those of you uh, who have children and you ha- you're in the parents' room or, or using the creche, we're going to recite the old monitors from the stage here, and they're going to go, because they're, they're fully working high-def monitors, together with sound over in the creche, so, so that parents won't de- be deprived in any way if they happen to be working in the creche area. So that's, we just want to in- invest in that. But also we want to make it easier to move information around, so that's why we've done what we've done, um, believe it or not. <laughs> so anyway, the topic, believe. Um, so this new series, um, we are going to look at this morning, Exodus 4, 1 to 13. Uh, why Exodus 4? Well, because there's a great account here of when... God appeared to Moses. In fact, it's just after he appeared to Moses. Do you remember the burning bush experience where uh, Moses is on the the hillside, the mountain, and all of a sudden the the bush appears to be in flames and a voice speaks out of the bush and addresses Moses? Well, then shortly after that, there's this dialogue and God is wanting to redirect Moses' life. But Moses is at a place of real struggle. He's been in the wilderness for 40 years. He's now 80 years old. And Moses... Um, could quite easily just decide it's time to hang up my boots. I've got, there's no future for me. I'm, I'm a shepherd. You know, I'm, I'm grinding out a living in the wilderness. And you know, I've, that's it. That's my life. I've just got this localized. Nobody knows me. But actually, Moses came from a great heritage. Moses 
uh, was a prince in Egypt. Moses lived in Pharaoh's household. He was, um, had luxuries beyond imagination. But because he effectively murdered someone accidentally, um, he, he left Egypt and was, had stayed in isolation and exile ever since. Uh, and now God has this encounter with him. So let's read these few verses. Exodus 4, 1 to 13. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is, is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and turned it back into a, and it turned back into a shepherd's st- staff in his hand. Uh, Perform this sign, he told, uh, the Lord told, Mo, told him, then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of, J- of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease, um, in some translations, leprosy. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, then they will be convinced by the second. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you uh, as you speak, and I will instruct you in what you say and what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. (laughs) And uh, it's quite interesting, send anyone else. Uh, There is great power in what we believe. There's great power in what we believe. What do you believe about yourself as a human being? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe in terms of your own capacity? What do you believe in terms of your own abilities? What do you believe in terms of your own creativity and talents and um, opportunities? Do you believe... Uh, you don't have much, that you're not worth much? Do you believe that all your opportunities have closed down because of something? Or do you believe actually you're studying and you just completed a a cycle of training and whatever, and actually your opportunities are opening up, but you're still not sure what will happen? You know, will the employer love you? Will will it work out? You know, maybe you're in a relationship and, and you're not confident. You know, maybe your confidence is, is being hammered. Maybe your wife is a problem. Maybe your husband is a problem, probably. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, you don't know. But what do we believe about ourselves? Well, my first key point this morning is the power of belief. There is human ca- capacity to believe and to achieve that so often we underestimate. Now, this morning, is, there's a small introduction around this area of belief and human capacity. Then we'll move on to God's uh, capacity working through us. But... If, if we just jump to what God can do for us and skip over what we are called to do for ourselves, we are not really handling the truth of the Word of God properly. 
because the Bible makes it abundantly clear that we are gifted by God by very nature of our humanity to be people who can achieve. God has already given us the ability to believe in ourselves. It's not the full story, but it is the beginning of the story. And so we have to look at it. Psalm 8 verses 4 to 6 say, What are we, sorry, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. We have to start with what God actually has created in this world. God created the heavens and the earth. God created humanity. God created the animal kingdom. God created um, human beings with intellect, with the ability to reason, with the ability to lead, with the ability to make judgments, with the ability to to be courageous, with the ability to take risk, with the ability to learn, to study, with the ability to relate, with the ability to communicate, with, with the ability to perform. God created humanity for this. And sometimes as believers, we can be in danger of saying, well, life's too tough for me. I'm just going to jump straight into what's God going to do. <laughs> and actually, I can't do that. I have to go back to what God has created. And what God has created is humanity that has capacity and potential. And so often we, we, um, we it, for whatever reason, we skip over our responsibility before God. And so I want to address that this morning. How is belief defined? Belief is defined as an acceptance that something exists or is true, especially one without proof. Especially one without truth. An acceptance that something exists or is true, especially one without proof. So belief by its nature is belief in something that lacks proof, but it still exists. It's still real. And, uh, and so often we, we, we grossly underestimate our powers to get through situations and our ability to make a difference in situations that we're in and to see an incredible life ahead of us in our humanity. Now, I'm not saying that we become God. I'm just saying, let's look at the order of things this morning. And so when this psalm was written, it's saying, you made humanity only a little lower than God. Now, different translations have slightly different emphasis around the way this translation is made. But I like the way this is written. And we'll look at this a little further because Jesus picks up on these scriptures or the scriptures are picked up in relation to Jesus later on, uh, and we'll look at it. But human potential, why is it so high? Because we're made in God's image. You are not here without capacity. You are here with enormous capacity. I want to tell you this morning, you may be feeling frustrated. You may feel that you've hit a dead end. You may feel that you're in a tension situation. You may feel that you are struggling with yourself, with somebody else, with your employer, with your friend, with your... What, whatever, maybe, you know, I spoke to a good, good Christian friend who I met at New Wine uh, two years ago. And uh, I bump into this lady, she's a lovely lady, lawyer, and we, occasionally we speak, um, she goes to the same gym that I go to, and occasionally we just have a chance for five minutes chat, and she's really struggling right now with her son. Her son is in an absolute challenging situation, 15 going on 16, 
going really through the toughest time of his life. And for them as a family, it's very, very difficult. And you may be in a family situation where, where your kids are a big, big problem. You're a Christian household and something is getting into your world that is causing all sorts of difficulties and you can't in yourself deal with it. But God has given us huge capacity to cope with situations. And so I want to encourage us this morning. God, it says in, in Psalms here, has crowned us with glory and honour. What does to be crowned mean? It means to be given authority publicly. God has given us authority in settings and situations. You know, sometimes um, you may feel that you, you don't have any authority. Perhaps someone's stolen your authority off you. Perhaps a, a, a husband has stolen your authority off you if you were the wife. And perhaps, perhaps husband, your authority got stolen off you by your parents. That wouldn't be the first time that's caused all sorts of problems in people's lives because people steal authority off others. But what we fail to remember is that God has given us authority and we can assume the authority that he gives us. And we've got to operate in that authority and we do it appropriately and we do it with reason and we do it with wisdom and we do it with balance and we do it with justice. But God has given every person in this room authority as a human being. You have the ability to speak into situations and your words are very, very powerful. You can speak the word of God into your situations. In fact, it doesn't actually even have to be the word of God. You do realise that, don't you? God, because it says he has crowned us with glory and honour, you can simply speak truth or speak fact in a situation and it has authority. The trouble is so often we hide from that authority and say, well, who am I? Who am I? It's exactly what Moses was saying. Who am I? Who am I? I can't even communicate properly. You know, I'm not a public speaker. I'm telling you, you have got all authority. Now, this is on the human side of things. You wait till we get into the supernaturally enhanced, charged, spirit-filled side of what God has for us. Right now, I'm just looking at our human side. When you go into a situation of confrontation, you can speak with authority into a situation and your words count. Why? Because you are a human being and God has crowned you with glory and honour. You have authority to speak. So you take that on board. Don't sit quietly and say, hang on, I'll just let that injustice go by as if it doesn't matter. Or I'll let that person speak to me in the way they're speaking to me. It doesn't matter. I'm going to accept it at school if my friends just criticise and make a joke. It does matter. And you have incredible authority. You watch the authority that God's placed in your life kick in when you use it right. You watch what can happen. It says um, that we are, we, are, we are only a slightly lower than God himself, slightly lower than the angels. In Genesis 1, 27 and 28, the first part, it says, so God created human beings in what image? His image. Human beings are created in God's image. His image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. They have their own valid identity um, Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Now the sentence goes on, but we're going to stop there. Fill the earth and govern it. What does that mean? It means what it says. It means exactly what it says. You have the ability in any situation to call out truth. You have the ability in any situation to call out what is right. You have the ability in any situation to say, no, I've had enough. No, that's not going to continue. No, that's not the right thing to do. And you may think, well, it could go right against me. I'm telling you, 
That's the fear, the uncertainty and the doubts, and we'll talk about those in a moment. But things will play in your mind. Oh, I haven't got the right to say that. I haven't got the right to do it. Let me tell you, God has invested you with a huge authority right now without having to rely on him. But Moses was in a place where a lot of Christians get to. They get to a place where they, they know God, they trust God, but actually their, their authority in humanity somehow has been drained from them. And Moses was completely drained of, of authority and his own sense of God's appointed power. He lost it all. And so he was really devalued. He devalued himself. Um, our ca- capacity to achieve, to innovate and lead is absolutely enormous. It's enormous. No matter where you are on your life's journey, Moses, 80 years old. No matter where you are, no matter how old or young you are, you could be at school and you could see the power of God move in your classroom. You could see the power of truth work through your voice as you speak to a friend. You could stop, you unlike anybody else could be in your teens and stop a tragedy from happening simply because you're there. But if we hide away from it, if we withdraw and say, well, I'm lesser than somebody else for whatever reason, and it's not because you're a Christian, by the way, it has nothing to do with the fact that you're a Christian. It's got everything to do with about what you think about who you are and how you see yourself. And so this morning, I can't just jump to what God's going to give us. I need to look at who he's made us in the first place. You know, um, it says, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. In fact, you probably fall for everything, actually. Um, It's extraordinary. Gordon Eady made that famous quote. Um, But God instructs us how to live. He says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. He doesn't say, no, only the elite can do that. We have got the ability to speak into any situation and every situation. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be at the gym for a period of time and I'm meeting a guy at midday to have a conversation about salvation. He's a full-blown, barrel-chested, lift more weight than most people could in this room guy who's full-on wants to talk to me about the reality of who God is and how God can change lives. He want, he's asked for that conversation. He's one of the guys I said to You know, it's only in the name of Jesus. Remember that preach? It's only in the name of Jesus that you will be saved. He said, we've got to stop. We've got to speak. We've got to get together. We've already had some conversations. Tomorrow we're having a full sit down at midday. And so I'm looking forward to that because I know that when I speak, my words have authority, not because I'm the pastor here, but by virtue of who I am before God in his creation. So God wants us to be strong in it. You know, in terms of what we can achieve and what potential is there, we all know the story of Roger Bannister. He broke the four-minute mile uh, barrier in 1954 with a time of three minutes, 59.4 seconds. He only broke it by 0.6 of a second. That's not a second. That's just a bit over half a second. That's a tiny, tiny improvement on whatever. That's a tiny break point, but it was still a massive breakthrough. Um, most of us were not alive when, when, this, uh, when this happened, um, but it was well publicised. There's a plaque. I think he did it at the university running track, and it's just extraordinary. He was celebrated worldwide because no one had ever broken the four-minute mile. But, you know, within two months, two people had broken the four-minute mile. You know, and then later on that year, multiple people were breaking the four-minute mile. How does that happen? It's because something in the way people believe about themselves has changed. They've seen it's possible and it happens. And so now, did you know that for, um, for every professional male middle distance runner, they're expected to run sub four minutes a mile for every one of them. 
you know, this is what, this is the standard now. And, uh, and so much has changed. This is in the last 50 years. And did you know that in this last 50 years, that four-minute mile um, break point has been increased. They reduced the time by 17 seconds or thereabouts. That is enormous as a percentage in terms of improvement. Why is it possible? Because people believe it's doable. And once they believe it's doable, they train as though it's doable. And as a church, if we believe who God has made us to be, we will believe that what you represent is important. And once you understand that who you are and what you represent is important, in fact, you are crowned with his glory and his honour, you will change people's minds. You will be salt and light just by virtue of you being where you're working, where you're studying, the people you hang out with. Just need to change the way you think about yourself. Now, I'm not just talking about positive thinking here. I'm just talking about having right thinking. Because so often we give ourselves negative thinking. It's about getting right thinking into our minds. Mandela said, it's always impossible until it's done. It's always impossible. It's always going to be. You might turn around and say, that's impossible. That's never going to happen. Well, it's going to be impossible until you do it. Or until someone you know does it. Or until someone you're encouraging to do does it. It's all doable. There's nothing that is impossible and the scriptures tell us that. Now I know you're rationalising with me, well you may give me all sorts of arguments academically, you're right, okay, there are arguments you can give me, but for life and journey in life there are so so many things you can achieve and will achieve if you get yourself grounded right before God in his image, made in his image, not any other man's image and so many people want to make you in their image. They want to. The number of marriage challenges often happen because of the image being imposed on somebody else. One person's image imposed on somebody else. Their image of, not even themselves, an image of a parent imposed on you. And the image of the media imposed on you. And God says, look, just realise that you are made for purpose. If nothing else, you could leave this meeting today empowered because you realise God has made you. You know, you were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were made. I knew you before you even conceived. God knew about us. He knew about us. But what are the dangers if we just live in the world of positive thinking? The dangers are that when our positive thinking gets a hit or we get a battering from somewhere, suddenly our worldview deteriorates and we suddenly feel bad about ourselves. So what happens? We talked about it earlier, the fear, the uncertainty, the doubts, they come in. Fear um, is often not real. It's often not real. Susan Jeffers, in her brilliant book, said, face the fear and do it anyway. There are many times in my life when I've literally walked into situations and I've thought of Susan Jeffers' quote, face the fear and do it anyway. And you, like me, know that when you face it, you realise there was nothing to worry about. There was no fear. It's just something that's got in. And you know, that's how the demonic works. The demonic will, will just hit you with a thought that says you can't do something. You can do something. You are immensely equipped to over and excel in all your capacities right now. God is, this is what believe is so important. God just wants, even if we believe just about what he said about us and who he's made us to be, let alone when his spirit fills us and takes us to that next level. That capacity is enormous. Um, it says in Exodus 4 verse 1, Moses said, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? He not only was worried about himself, he was worried about what others might think. I mean, that's nuts, isn't it? You know, he's got a bad enough self-image, but now he's thinking, well, how will they be certain that I've not got a bad image, self-image? It's, it's, he's now making up a double barrel 
pain in the backside for himself. He, he's, not, he's making it inevitable. He won't get out of it, but God's determined to, to show him a way. He, he not only says, uh, well, I'll give you one miracle. He says, I'll give you a second miracle. And if that doesn't work, I'll give you a third miracle. So God's trying to draw him into a place where he sees that actually God is in control. But we'll get to that in a moment. So fear comes in. Fear, then uncertainty. And it says in Proverbs 12, 25, Worry weighs a man or woman down. Worry weighs a man down. It's what Mark Ritchie was talking about, the God who bent down to raise us up. Worry is the thing that will get us down. Worry is the thing that would would take us into the dark places. Worry and anxiety. Worry about things that aren't real, things that don't exist. And then when fear becomes worry and anxiety, it leads to doubt in most areas. Um, And it becomes a form of faith. Doubt is faith. You know that. Doubt is faith. You believe something's going to go wrong. <laughs> you're putting your faith into the, the very things you're doubting. And God needs to correct that in our thinking. It, you know, if you stay in a place of doubt for too long, you'll believe it all the time. As soon as you, it's amazing. When you have conversations with people, it's like last Sunday, second service, three people gave their lives to Christ. What a brilliant thing. But, you know, their world has started to change. It started to shift. It's starting to move around but they're going to still carry with them the voices of the world. They've got to deal with those voices. They've got to deal with the media. They've got to deal with society. They've got to deal with the press. They've got to deal with parents who may or may not be Christians. And first generations believers, they have a really big challenge in breaking through mindsets that are really nothing more than the generations before them who've said things should be done a certain way. But, but doubt is faith. So we talk ourselves down. Moses pleaded, even up to verse 13, he says, Moses again pleaded, Lord, Lord, please send not someone else, it was anyone else. That's how low he felt of himself. Moses thought that anyone would be better than Moses. Can you see that? Hang on, hang on, hang on. God has just spoken to him from the burning bush. Should we set, set light to the tree? The bush has spoken to him. The bush has said, or God has said, throw down the staff. It's become a serpent. Pick it up by its tail. It's a staff again. Put your hand inside your cloak. Pull it out. It's leprous. Put it back in and it's all restored. Oh, and by the way, one extra miracle just in case you need to prove from the Nile that when you tip water out onto dry ground, it turns to blood. Just in case. And he's thinking, choose anyone else. This is a guy who's just been speaking to God. He's speaking to God. He's hearing the supernatural voice of God with direction. And he is thinking, oh no, am I able to do this? I'm just thinking, what would you do if you had that experience? I think I'd just be going wherever God said, do anything. But let me just tell you, Moses is just like everybody else. That actually, you know, doubt is so powerful It's so powerful. Those fears and uncertainties are so powerful that in Moses' world, he still couldn't see that he was going to be able to get through it. It's not just a a piece of history and a piece of scripture for nothing. He genuinely was in that place. And he must have been in a real, real messed up situation. He must have been absolutely terrified of the prospect of ever going back to Egypt to draw out those Israelites as God was encouraging him to do. And you know, it's what people speak about and what he remembered. He remembered the guys who said, yeah, you're the one who killed that Egyptian. You're the one who murdered someone. You know, that's the Israelites. And it must have been echoing in his head for 80 years. He's thinking, I've been accused as a murderer. 
or for the last 40 years, I've been accused as a murderer. I'll never be able to go back without my life being destroyed. I'm not, and I can't even speak normally. You know, when people say things to you, they sit in there. And maybe today we should get rid of some of the things that are in our minds and bring them to God this morning. So at the end, when we pray, we're going to say, God, take away those self-doubts because you've made us in your image. We are made in your image. You've crowned us with glory and honour. And I had a call this week from Talk Talk. Uh, a guy was saying he was from Talk Talk, telling me my broadband was being damaged because I had all sorts of data. Traffic was multiplying. I was causing all sorts of havoc. It was like a, a deluge of data was coming out. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, maybe there's a virus in my machine. Maybe I've become a host for some horrendous uh, um, internet virus or something, a worm has got into, I don't know, it's a Mac. Macs never carry that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, this doesn't sound too good. Anyway, the guy said, no, 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 there's loads of data coming out of your, your machine. You need to, we need to clean it up. And so I, I said to him, I'm thinking, I'm no Muppet. I'm no Muppet. Um, and this guy said, no, no, you need to clean it up. It's very important. My name is Richard. And he didn't sound like a Richard. And he didn't sound like he was even in England, actually, as it happened. And um, and he said, no, just can I ask you, can you just turn all your apps off on your computer? So I thought, well, that's harmless. I'll turn all my apps off. And then he said, could you go to the control alt button? And as soon as he said that, of course, my non-technical brain is saying, he's about to try and give me, give my machine control to him so he can strip all my ID out of it. And so I said to him, look, my friend, I don't trust this call. <laughs> I don't believe you say you are who you say you are. Can you give me your phone number and I'll call you back? At which point he hung up. So of course it was, but it's amazing. I even went to the point where I did shut down my apps. That's just suggestion from someone I've never met before. And I'm not particularly gullible, but it's interesting. I, I suppose you cooperate with people, don't you? So when people say things, it affects you. The other side of who we are in humanity is our personal personal abilities and sometimes we do rely too heavily on our personal experiences so our skills our creativity our endurance our physical presence but ultimately we will get older we'll ultimately get older so we know that in age or with illness or with life circumstances you may be involved in a car accident I remember Adam had his leg broken he got hit by a, a car when he was driving his motorbike home uh, one time and he ended up in hospital for quite a period of time and we were really concerned about what was going to happen there so things can come into our world and can pull us down you know I told the guys this morning that Ronnie O'Sullivan you know he, he's in the UK champion, snooker championship and he's just got through I think it's to the finals I don't know if you saw it I just caught it on the news a couple of days ago and um, Ronnie O'Sullivan said, after everyone was celebrating a 147 maximum break in snooker, said, you know, people think my career's over. Um, you know, it, 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 it virtually is in the snooker world. When you get to your early 30s, that's it. It's all over. And I'm thinking, all you've got to do is get a stick and kind of do that, you know, or that. <laughs> I don't know, or that. <laughs> I mean, it's not that complicated. Oh, yes, there's a... All you've got to do is hit a ball. It's not like you've got to run a marathon or you've got to, you know, that, obviously I don't understand what I'm talking about, but, but clearly early 30s is like curtains for professional snooker players. I can't see why. And he was saying, well, I'm 39. You know, it's still going for me. He said, I feel like a born-again snooker player. I thought, well, that's an interesting concept. Um, but interesting language, isn't it? A born-again snooker player. Anyway, so, um, but there's this human capacity that God has given us to be extraordinary achievers and, and see immense things happen in our lives. And as a church, even if we 
stopped this preach there and said, you know, God's just made everything possible for us. You could change your will right now just by living as a man or a woman or a young man, young woman, called by God and given authority and operating and living in that authority. Right now, you could change everything about your life. Everything you could change right now. But this is the good news. There's a whole spiritual belief that kicks in on top of that. What I've just been describing to you is available to the whole world. The whole world have got that access, and many of them do an incredible job with it. They build in incredible businesses, empires, um, organizations, um, football teams, you name it. People are spending their lives building stuff based on what God has already given them. And so often we sort of sit back and think, well, when's God going to speak? <laughs> when's God going to tell me what to do? But God's already said, well, get on and do. And now... I'm going to talk about the spiritual beliefs that kick in. The spiritual, God's capacity to change our lives. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, uh, that is what the scriptures meant when they said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. No mind has imagined. So if you're basing your future on how you think about yourself, no mind has ever imagined what God has got prepared for us. You'll be familiar with those, those verses But Moses had to become familiar with it as well. He had to understand it. You know, Jesus took Psalm 8, the verses we we read earlier, and he owned them. And that's why in Hebrews 2, verses 5 to 8, you realise how Jesus applied Psalm 8 to his life. So we're not going to read it now. It's a bit of work to go home and look at. Look at Hebrews 2, 5 to 8. He identified himself as being created a little lower than the angels. And what he then did about it in his own life. He modelled it for us. Craig Grishel says, show me who you're listening to and I'll show you who you're becoming. Show me who you're listening to and I'll show you who you're becoming. It's very rare that we rise above the five dominant voices in our lives. Now that's interesting. If that's true, what are the five dominant voices in your lives? Maybe you should remove some of those dominant voices. Maybe Maybe you can't take them out of your world, but maybe you should stop listening to dominant voices that are inappropriately controlling your life, taking away your authority, taking away your ability to rise up in yourself. But God is going to bless you and will bless you. Why? Because he gives you the ability to believe in himself. He's given us the ability to believe in himself. And how does he do it? I'm going to whistle through these five key things. He gives us the ability and he builds confidence. He builds confidence when we believe. He builds confidence. Only God can draw out what God has put in you. Only God can draw it out. You can't draw it out through positive thinking. You can only do it when God draws that out of you. Jeremiah 17, 7. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. He builds confidence. If you lack confidence today, say, God, I believe you're the one who's going to give me confidence. I'm no good at this. I'm no good at that. But God, you can make me good at this. You can make me good at that. You build my confidence and he'll do it for you. He's done it for me many, many times. He's done it for me many times. There have been many times in my life and I thought, I am not, I'm not at the level I need to be at to be able to do certain things. And you know what God just says? Put your trust in me. Believe in me. Believe in me. So he builds confidence. He builds confidence. The second key thing is he, br- he brings clarity. He builds confidence. He brings clarity. In Moses' situation, God gave him confidence with the three miracles. He said, you will speak as though God to Pharaoh. And then you know he moved on in the end and he did do what God said. 
But he had to build that confidence. So he built confidence, but he brings clarity. What did God bring clarity to? He brought clarity to to, to Moses' journey. Psalm 25 verse 8 says, The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. The truth is, all believers go astray. Everybody in the world goes astray. We go off in at tangents. We go off and find ourselves busy doing this over here. And God says, come on, come on, come on, come on. You need to be going in that direction. But we do that. He gets us reset when we get our belief reset in him. And it might be that you're feeling like you haven't heard from God recently. You might be feeling like God is a million miles away. And yet you are a Christian. You've been baptized. I'm telling you what's gone wrong. You've strayed off in a different direction. You're in a bit of a wilderness space because you're not resetting your belief and you need to bring your belief back. And when you bring your belief back and trust what God is saying, he'll give you confidence and then he will bring clarity. And what did he say to Moses? He said, stop being a shepherd. Your work is about to change. So he changed his work and he said, you are now going to go on a mission for me. He also said, you're going to leave the wilderness. You're going to go on a new direction. So he changed his work and he changed his direction. He said, you're going to go from the wilderness on the top of a mountain with a bunch of sheep and you are going to go to Egypt and you're going to transform a nation. And by the way, that nation doesn't exist yet. And what nation are we talking about? The nation of Israel. He was about to form the nation of Israel by being obedient and believing what God was saying. Can you believe that? What could you form and what could you be called to? If we sit there and say, no, not me, somebody else, anybody but me, I've got all these reasons why I'm no good, then God will keep saying, come on, come on, I can build this in you, you can do it, you can do it, I'll I'll be with you, I'll give you the evidence that I'm with you. You watch what happens when you pray, I'll answer your prayers. You know, that's why in our Christmas giveaway, we're seeding into amazing opportunities for next year. I want to thank so many of you for giving so generously. We know that we'll take slices into these areas that we're going to seed into. We will change lives this year. We will change situations this coming year. We will see things grow this year. Why? Because we're exercising faith, even in our Christmas giveaway. It's extraordinary. Third key point, not only does God build confidence and bring clarity, he increases connections. It's exactly what happened for Moses. God took him into a new circle of people. He said, you're going to leave the sheep. You're going to leave... Um, Jesse and the household that you're from and you're going to go to Egypt. Psalm 5 verse 12 in ESV says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover him with favour as a shield. Some versions use the word love in there. But I like the way the ESV writes it. You cover him with favour as a shield. And so what happened was that Moses encountered the Hebrew leaders. It's a new world for him. He encountered the Hebrew leaders. He encountered the Egyptian leaders. And not only that, he he had an audience with the most powerful man on earth. What could God do with you if you believe? If you say, no, not me. (laughs) My faith is shallow. I've never done that before. What's what's God wanting to do? He, He could take you from lower than anybody, which is where Moses felt he was, in the world, lower. Take anybody and put him in front of the most important somebody in the whole world. He took a nobody and put him in front of the biggest somebody that existed at that point in time. So God increases connections. I mentioned this morning about a man who, who was a Christian worker, who, who was an orphan, and, and uh, he'd been adopted, lived in Birmingham, went abroad, and as a Christian had prayed that one day he'd meet his, his, his biological family. And eventually one day in Hong Kong, um, this friend of ours uh, was approached by a woman and said, I know who your mother is in Hong Kong. 
and Hong Kong of all places. And of course, it was true. And God's timing was perfect for him. God created the right connections at the right time in the right way. And sure enough, he found out that his whole heritage was from Ireland. And in fact, his family were very, very wealthy. But because of uh, an out-of-wedlock um, birth, it was, it was a disgrace to the family. So the child had to go away to a children's home and, and he was eventually adopted. But it was an amazing story of restoration, but how God brings all the connections. You can't have positive thinking and get there. You can't be a good sportsman and get there. You've got to believe that God is going to get you there. You've got to believe that God is going to take you on a journey. We've got to believe as a church that God is going to move us in next year. You know, I see leaders all over this room. I see it. I see, I see leaders. I see men and women who can carry responsibility, who can take this church forward, who can see the impossible happen. I see it in this room. I saw it in the first service. You may not feel like it. You may feel like, well, I'm just me and I'm tired. And I'm half my Christmas shopping and I've got two Sundays left and it's time is running out. We've got the Christmas turkey. I'm telling you, God looks at you differently. It's more than that. It's not about Christmas shopping. It's not about Christmas dinner. It's about his purpose. So God builds confidence. He brings clarity, increases connections. He develops competency. Proverbs 2.10, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. He gives us what we need. Moses was equipped to, to see miracles happen. He was given special trust. He learned to communicate. He wasn't the best, but he learned. He learned to communicate. He even met God on a mountain or he saw the glory of God on Sinai. God even gave him the Ten Commandments. What an amazing thing. And God helped him to develop the skills to lead, develop the skills of judgment, to develop the skills of delegation. He learnt the hard way. He, learnt, he ended up being the intercessor for the whole nation when God was going to wipe them out at one point. It's incredible. A man who said, take anybody but me, but actually had a great call in his life. And then finally, when we are believers and we believe in Jesus, he reveals our capacity. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. Um, I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Not I'll, have, I'll give it a go. You might get there. Um, you know, if, if I've got enough power, you might just be successful. That's not how God is. He's a God who is an absolute winner. He's the one who overcame the world. He's the one who wins. He's the one at the end of the book who, who gets the crown of life and we all join him in it. He's the victory organiser. He's the one who's got everything in his hands. He's not, he's not waiting for somebody out there to help him know what's going on. He knows what's going on and he just wants us to believe. He just says, believe in me. Believe in me. Believe in me. Put your trust in me. Stop believing in yourself. Yes, be confident in who you are as I've made you, but believe that I can take you from what I've already created and make it super accelerated. And so what does God do? He will change us. He will. And if we don't like change, tough, because he's going to do it anyway. He's going to take you to a place where change has got to happen. He's never going to let you sit still. If he'd done that, Moses would have stayed in the wilderness. Moses would never have gone to Pharaoh. Moses would have never brought the Israelites out. He would have never formed a nation. He would have never interceded for the people. He would have never received the Ten Commandments. He'd never have seen the Promised Land. He'd have never, even though he never went in it, he never, so much would never have happened. The whole thing is a type of Jesus' life for us. It's incredible what God has done. And so last week, three people gave their lives to Christ in this meeting. And God started them on a journey. We want to have a church where when people do that, they accelerate into the potential God's given them. So that's where I'm going to close it today because our time has gone. So Matt, why don't you join me?
Why don't you join me? We're going to stand now. While Matt plays on the keyboard, we're just going to bring ourselves to God because this is about us and him today. And we're going to say, God, I know I can give greater belief to you. I can put my trust in you more strongly. I can commit my life to you more determinedly. I'm going to put my belief in you. I'm going to put it there. I'm going to rise up and be the man or woman that you've called me to be, but I'm also going to put my belief in you. And maybe this morning what I've preached has touched you in some way and you think, yeah, that applies to me. That applies to me. And I know that God is going to do something in my life. I know he wants to build confidence in me. I know he wants to bring clarity. I know he wants to increase my connections and my touch points. I know he wants to develop my competence and he wants to reveal my capacity. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand because we're going to pray with you this morning. If that's you, yeah. I believe God's doing an absolute work in this church. He's doing a work amongst the people in this meeting. And God is going to move us to a place where we see change, but we see the power of God. We will see the miracles. We will see it. We will see it. And God will do an amazing work. So Lord, I pray for every hand, Lord, that's been raised this morning. I pray, God, Lord, for that for that confidence in you, Jesus. I pray for those who have been a bit crusty and, and maybe not, They've been in a routine for too long. God, maybe today you're shaking them a little bit and saying, put greater trust in me. I pray, God, for each one. I pray, God, that as we look to you, Lord, you build our belief, build our faith. And God, God, we want to be fully obedient to you. We want to know what you are saying and we want to be confident in taking steps of faith. Lord, we want to put all our belief in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen.